Today on Blue 58, with COVID-19 tearing apart rosters throughout the NFL, who are we playing this week becomes an entirely different kind of question. But the Packers also have a few internal questions they need to answer before the postseason begins. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. It's almost the end of 2021, which means that you have, if you are listening to this on Friday, December 31st, just a few hours if you would like to participate in this year's charity drive. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, love the causes we are supporting, both uh, Adrian Amos's charity and uh, Shamar Jean Charles's work with the Wisconsin Alzheimer's Association. Both worthy uh, of our support, both worthy, I think, of your support, and I'd love to have you to have the chance to win some uh, prizes to the Packers Pro Shop, which we will be giving away next week. So if you're on the fence, consider doing that today. Uh, I would much appreciate it, and I think you will as well. So it is week 17, and things are going a little bit weirdly throughout the NFL, as you've probably heard. We've discussed it on this podcast the last couple episodes. The Packers are, are having their COVID game, I guess, this week. We we talked about that as being a personnel situation they might have to deal with in the last episode it looks like it's it's happening this week guys are going onto the list and coming off the list I guess to be fair in fairly significant regularity but this is the game on top of that there are teams the teams remaining on the Packers schedule are going in different directions than the Packers these are not games that the Packers really need to be worried about in terms of okay, who are we playing on the other side? Because they should, in all honesty, beat both the Vikings and the Lions. Now, I've got some notes about the Vikings here in a second, but I figured it didn't really make a whole ton of sense to do like a deep dive preview on the Vikings because, for one thing, we know the Vikings pretty well. For another, even as I record this Thursday night, who knows who's going to be in the lineup on Sunday, either for the Vikings or the Packers. And thirdly, it's really just all about the Packers. Can they win or not? This is not about matchups. This is not about what the Vikings are going to try to do to them, which could change depending on the people they have. It's about can the Packers take care of business and beat a team that that they should beat? I think they're going to beat the Vikings. I think that should be a fairly easy ask for them this week. Easy and simple you know, we go back and forth on those words a lot, but they should be able to beat the Vikings. The book on them is the same as it's, as it's always been. If you pressure Kirk Cousins, you will make mistakes. And if you take mis- uh, take advantage of those mistakes, you will win. In week 11, the Packers didn't take advantage of those mistakes. Hopefully they will on Sunday. And they put the Vikings away for the season on national television. In light of all that, I thought we should talk about the Packers. First, the moves they've made since we last had an opportunity to talk. We'll talk briefly about the Vikings, a few questions and notes about them. And then we'll we'll talk about five questions I think the Packers need to answer themselves before the playoffs begin. So, Packers moves. They signed four guys, five guys since we last spoke. Three of them were people we talked about on the last episode. Aaron Adeoye, the edge rusher. Adrian Ely, the offensive lineman. And Kareth White, the running back slash kick returner. Of the three, I think you're looking at White and Adeoye as the the guys who are going to have a real short-term opportunity to to make an impact here because the the Packers are pretty thin on the edge right now, and they obviously need a kick returner. They got to figure that thing out, uh, both long-term and in short-term, uh, in and in the short-term because, uh, well, Amari Rogers is on the COVID reserve list, so they've got to figure it out just for this Sunday because they may not have him around, and they've got to figure it out 
longer term because, well, Rodgers has not done all that well, to put it put it pretty, pretty mildly. So those three guys we've talked about, we know about already. Another guy they've signed uh, this week is Jason Stanley, a cornerback out of Georgia, six foot two, two hundred and seven pounds. He was a wide receiver in college, but did not make a, a terribly big impact there, and as a result, has switched to defensive back in the NFL. Since coming into the league, he has been with the Falcons, Dolphins, Jaguars, and Seahawks. Now signed to the Packers practice squad, and immediately heads to the COVID nineteen reserve list, which could be because he tested positive for COVID or because he was a close contact of someone who has tested positive. In any case. You can see why the Packers are interested. Big, long athlete. 782 relative athletics score. As a wide receiver, you switch him over to cornerback that jumps up to an 807. Poor agility numbers, though. Good in a straight line, thickly built individual, probably projects as a special teams guy. With those measurables, I guess who really knows? Uh, there's a lot of KB on Ento type stuff in him. Uh, good explosiveness, good speed, good size. You never know. If he turns out he can cover, maybe he's a prospect long-term. In the short term, he can run fast in a straight line. He looks like a special teamer. Packers also added wide receiver David Moore today. Between 6 foot and 6 foot 1, 219 pounds, so a muscled up receiver. 861 relative athletic score when he came out uh, for the NFL draft in 2017. And he was, that year, a 7th round pick with the Seattle Seahawks. And he played pretty well there for a 7th rounder. Didn't see the field in 2017. But in 18, he had 26 catches for 445 yards and five touchdowns. The next year, just 17 catches for 301 yards and two touchdowns. His final season with the Seahawks 2020, back up to 36 catches for 417 yards and six touchdowns. Also had a few rushing attempts over his uh, three seasons of actions with the Seahawks. Has spent a little bit of time with the Broncos this year, signed with the Panthers in free agency this spring and was released. Now he finds his way to the Packers practice squad. Don't really know what to expect here. Uh, The Packers don't have a ton of need at receiver, but you could do worse there. And he does have a little bit of relatively uninspiring punt and kick return experience, but worth kicking the tires, I think, at this point. At practice this week, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling made a return appearance coming off the COVID-19 reserve list, and Randall Cobb made a bit of a surprise appearance Uh, returning to practice as the Packers have uh, designated him to return from injured reserve. Hasn't been all that long since he had that core muscle injury, had some surgery, uh, and if you believe his wife's report um, circling on social media today, it was a pretty severe core muscle injury. So to see him back on the field at this point in any capacity is, is pretty good. And it looks like he is on track to have an impact at some point in the playoffs. I wouldn't count on him certainly this week. Nor next week. There's really no reason to try to get him out on the field next week. Uh, but if the Packers can wrap up the one seed this week uh, with uh, with a win over the Vikings and a little bit of help from the Arizona Cardinals knocking off the Cowboys, he is really on track to, to tune up for a few weeks here and be ready to go for the divisional round. Pretty good stuff. But we also have to make note of guys headed to the COVID-19 reserve list and headed there today was safety Henry Black, punter Corey Bajorquez, tight end Tyler Davis, and defensive lineman Kingsley Kiki. Bohorquez, obviously the headliner here, because just as things were starting to go slightly more smoothly for the Packers special teams, and boy, the bar there is very low, Bohorquez heads to the COVID-19 reserve list. The Packers are obviously going to have to make a move now before Sunday. 
If you're looking for obvious contenders, Ryan Winslow was released uh, this week. Would think he's got an inside shot at the job, given that he was with the Packers in camp, but who knows? The Packers probably are going to have some tryouts this week. Also on on the list, Tyler Davis really matters. Um, Currently, the Packers' tight end room is two names long, Josiah DeGuara and Dominique Daphne. Those are the only guys on the 53 right now. Bronson Kalfusi is on the practice squad, but Mercedes Lewis is on the COVID-19 reserve list, and Robert Tunyon, obviously, on Andrew Reserve with the torn ACL. If Davis can't go, if Lewis can't go, that takes away a lot of what the Packers like to do with their multiple tight end sets. And really, the Packers are pretty limited there already, considering that DeGuara and Daphne are not really traditional inline tight ends. Look, nobody blocks like Mercedes Lewis, but neither of them can even really line up like Lewis does on the strong side of a formation and try to move anybody. You wouldn't just try to do the same things with DeGuara or Daphne that you do with a Mercedes Lewis. So, if Lewis can't go, if Davis can't go, you're probably looking at Bronson Kalfusi coming up to the active roster from the practice squad, which would be a cool story, uh, but maybe maybe not really what the backers are looking to do, considering that he is still a converted defensive lineman, has not had any, any NFL game reps outside of preseason uh, at tight end. So that's the state of things for the Packers. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about the Vikings. Four notes on the Vikings. Five notes on the Vikings right now. First, they are probably playing for Mike Zimmer's job right now. Coming in at seven and eight, the Vikings are still technically technically alive for the playoffs. If they win this week, if they win next week, they've got a chance, though they do not control their own destiny, to make the playoffs. They will need help regardless of what they do over the next two weeks. If they make the playoffs, Mike Zimmer, I think, has a fighting chance to keep his job. If they do not, if I'm the Vikings, I'm looking to tear things down and start over. Because other than the the run to the NFC Championship game in 2017 with Case Keenum, it, it hasn't been great. 2018 to present, the Vikings have had one 10-win season. They're not going to get there this year, obviously. I would think they are playing for Mike Zimmer's job if things have not been decided already. Secondly, things have not gone super well since they beat the Packers in Week 11. They are 2-3 and three. since then. They have relatively uninspiring wins over the Steelers and Bears, who get super excited about beating both of those teams. Not a whole lot of people, I would imagine. And they have losses to the 49ers and Rams, both understandable, but also the Lions falling on their face, giving the Lions their first win of the season. And they just have the look of a team that cannot quite get it together because those losses to the 49ers, Lions, and Rams were all were all fairly close games. 49ers put up a fair number of points on them, but they kept it close against all three of those teams. Now, it was fairly close in their two wins as well, and the Vikings really have played close games start to finish this year. It's been a lot of one-score games, and, you know, it's broken their way just about as often as it's broken against them. But uh, that they are playing in that many close games does not speak to the overall quality of their roster, which is a little bit disappointing, I have to imagine, if you're a Vikings fan, considering that you have skill positions that are basically should be the envy of most of the league. I mean, most teams in the NFL would love to have, uh, you know, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, even... (laughs) Even Kirk Cousins, for all the the flack that he gets, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that are worse than Kirk Cousins. Just those four guys alone, it feels like, should get you to more than seven wins. But the Vikings have not been able to get there this year. Speaking of Dalvin Cook, he is going to be back for the Packers game this week. He's coming off the COVID-19 reserve list and will be available 
at least in theory, for Sunday. It is an open question as to how much of a factor he is going to be, because COVID obviously affects everybody differently. We just heard Kenny Clark talking uh, this week about uh, how it affected him, uh, how he was in still kind of rough shape against the Browns last week. And you wonder how that may have affected the Packers' run defense, uh, just uh, just being out there being less than 100%, but really having no choice but to have him out there, uh, given the state of the rest of the Packers' defensive line and that King- Kingsley Kiki was a personal or was a scratch for personal reasons, healthy scratch for personal reasons. But really, I, th- I think you got to wonder what kind of factor Cook can be, and we won't obviously see that until Sunday because he's going to say between now and then, if he talks to the media, yeah, I'm, I'm great, that's going to be good to go for Sunday because that's just what everybody says. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he can offer the Vikings on Sunday. Fourthly, Justin Jefferson uh, still want to make a note of where he is on the field. He torched the Packers last time around eight catches, 169 yards, and two touchdowns was over 100 yards even before before halftime. He hasn't really slowed down since then. In the handful of games he's played since then, he's got 34 catches for 507 yards and three touchdowns. He has totaled 97 catches for 1,451 yards and nine touchdowns on the season so far. They've got a good one in Minnesota in Justin Jefferson. Finally, I really have no idea what to make of the Vikings defense. And really, that's going to be the case for every team until the end of the season, because it's always going to depend on how COVID shakes out. The The Vikings are dealing with it like everybody, but I don't know how you evaluate a team that has given up as many points as the Vikings have, but have been without a bunch of guys and could be without a bunch more guys, depending how things break with COVID between now and Sunday. So not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the Vikings defense, other than to say that they have been fairly to extremely disappointing by Mike Zimmer's standards. They are 29th in yards. They are 23rd in scoring. They are 11th in takeaways, so doing pretty well there. But they're giving up uh, the 28th best yards per attempt in in rushing defense. Uh, they're giving up the 27th most uh, passing passing yards. It's just it's not a great unit this year, and it's a big departure for previous Mike Zimmer teams. Now to the Packers. They are obviously headed to the postseason. Uh, Things are going well for the most part in Green Bay. Things are not always perfect, especially over the past two or three weeks. But by and large, things are are pointing up for the Packers. Guys are getting healthier. Things are, you know, generally going pretty well on offense. The defense has some obvious issues, but it relates to some complimentary football stuff um, with the offense too. But looking internally, the Packers do have some questions that I think they've got to settle before the postseason begins. First, how do you integrate David Bakhtiari, assuming he can come back? It's looking like a bigger and bigger if as to whether or not he can come back. But assuming he does come back, since as of today, it has been exactly one year, as of today, meaning today, the the day the podcast comes out, Friday the 31st, it's been exactly a year since he tore his ACL. What do the Packers do with him? If he's healthy next week, do you play him? Do you dump him into the lineup right away? Do you start him? Do you bring him in in the second half? Just let him get his feet wet a little bit? What do you do? If he can't go before the playoffs, do you play him at all? Would you rather have a cohesive unit that's played together for a month or so straight, headed into the playoff game? against whoever it ends up being, 
assuming they get uh, the the bye week and he gets an extra week to recover. Do you have him in reserve and just see how things go early? And if things get rough out of the gate, do you do you bring him on? I think the Packers need to have a plan here before the postseason even begins because that'll make their life easier in terms of how you prepare, uh, how you game plan, how you need to construct your roster behind him uh, because they'll have more depth pieces available or they need to have more depth pieces available if they decide he can't go and probably just heads back to injured reserve or whatever. They need to figure that out before the postseason and get that question settled. Second and similar question, how do you integrate Jair Alexander? We talked about this previously. I think a lot of people are assuming that Jair goes into the slot if he comes back. That is my assumption too. And I've got no reason to think that he can't do that other than the fact that he really just hasn't done it all that much. Other than his rookie year, he's been at best a slot cameo sort of player. Only plays there occasionally. The most he's played in there in the slot since his rookie year uh, was earlier this season, week four, actually, week two, excuse me, um, against the Detroit Lions. And that was his worst game grade-wise, according to Pro Football Focus, of the year. So how do you integrate him? Obviously, you want him on the field. When healthy, he is your best defensive back. But do you try to get Eric Stokes playing a new position? Do you try to get Russell Douglas playing a new position? Or do you just try to roll the dice with Jair Alexander in the slot and see how things go? I think you do probably try to get him into the slot. But again, this is probably something you want sorted before the postseason. And I would really like to get Jair Alexander some game reps before the playoffs. Even if it's just running around a little bit this weekend or next weekend, just let him get his, basically his sea legs underneath him uh, before he has to do it for real in a game that that really, really matters. Obviously, the game this weekend, and if they would lose this weekend, next weekend are going to matter because the Packers got to keep winning to have a shot at the number one overall seed or the number one seed in the NFC. But you want him really 100% ready for those playoff games. So how do you get him to 100% and how do you how do you deploy him when or if he is 100%? I still tend to think the slot is the place for him, but I'm open to that discussion and I'm open to just getting him on the field wherever he feels the most comfortable and trying to figure it out from there because I think even if um it it displaces either Douglas or Stokes I would rather have a healthy Jair Alexander out there than either of those guys. Would you rather have a healthy Jair out there and still a normal Chandon Sullivan in the slot? Or would you rather have a, you know, your less ideal group out there in Stokes and Douglas on the outside and Alexander in the inside? I don't know. But I think you just get him on the field in the slot, which seems like the most natural place to go, and just uh, disturb as little as possible to start. So I think that's where the Packers start, and uh, they'll try to figure it out from there. Thirdly, who is going to be your returner? This has been an open question now for quite some time, and uh, we've never really been any closer to an answer than we were at the start of the season. It was going to be Amari Rodgers, but he's turned out to have the yips or the uh, sudden and complete lack of ability to do it, and now is, is sick. So who's it going to be? Do you feel comfortable even when he, when he is healthy having him back there in a playoff game? I certainly don't. It reminds me a little bit of Jeremy Ross, who was an adventure before the regular season in 2012 and then turned out to be a disaster in the playoffs against the, the 49ers, who, 
uh, were not really just blowing the Packers away until Jeremy Ross muffed a punt deep in Packers territory and set the, the 49ers up for a layup. You know, you, you, you circle back to the Colin Kaepernick stuff, obviously, a lot. But what really hurt the Packers the most, I think, in that game was, uh, for one thing, a bad interception by Aaron Rodgers on a really bad decision just to throw late down the middle, kind of a desperation throw uh, that cost them a possession. And secondly, Jeremy Ross muffing that punt. It seems like the Packers are trying to set themselves up for that exact situation again. Just putting so many eggs in the basket of one guy who has proven himself unable to make a basket-style catch, if you'll pardon the pun. Fourthly, this is kind of a extension of um, of basketball stuff, but what's your playoff rotation for skill position guys? Lately, with injuries and illness and all that, it doesn't seem like the Packers have a consistent lineup for their skill position guys. It's not clear what they're deploying for wide receivers on a week-in, week-out basis. They're a little bit banged up at tight end. And running back beyond Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, they just got nobody who's really a danger to contribute in, in any way, as much as I like Patrick Taylor. So who are you putting on the field when you've really got to have it? It's going to depend, obviously, on who's healthy, but hopefully the Packers can get healthy over the next couple of days. And if you have everybody healthy, who are your guys? Let's assume that Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb are all healthy. If those four guys are all good to go, who do you put on the field and when? Prior to his injury, Randall Cobb was getting the second most wide receiver snaps. Do you go back to that right away? If so, why? And what does that cost you uh, by taking one of those other guys off the field? Do you put MVS out there ahead of both of the other guys? Does Alan Lazard have a case? He's played pretty well recently. That's a thing that I think the Packers need to nail down before they get to the, the postseason because I don't think you want to make those adjustments on the fly if you don't have to. Finally, are the Packers a running team or a passing team? If you look at the numbers, the Packers are a passing team. They pass more than they run in neutral situations. They ultimately depend on Aaron Rodgers making plays through the air to move the ball. But philosophically, it seems like the Packers really want to be a running team. And that, I think, has hurt them early in games the last couple of weeks. The Packers, especially against the Ravens early on, were so eager to run the ball that they almost put themselves behind too much to really pull out of the, pull out of the dive they were in. They opened that game with two runs and then a difficult, high-difficulty pass for Aaron Rodgers against a secondary that had essentially nobody out there. Out there. The Packers are so committed to this idea of being a running team that often they're running themselves into a hole early. I would like the Packers to decide now to come out and be aggressive early. Be aggressive. Try to manufacture something of a hot start rather than hope that you can break a big run or consistent runs. Come out and put the hands or put the ball in the hands of your best playmaker. And that is Devontae Adams. Get him the ball early. Get the ball down the field in the passing game, then sprinkle in the run and make people pay. Are the Packers a running team or a passing team? Functionally, they are a passing team and they should be. It's more efficient and the Packers, I think, have had more success passing by and large this season than running by a fairly wide margin. But they've tried to cling to the running games in situations where it doesn't necessarily make sense. I'm all for running it down teams' throats late, salting the game away that way. But I think the Packers are putting themselves in a hole early when they don't have to by trying to commit too much to the run. Those are my questions. 
What have you got for the Packers before the playoffs begin? We are not all that far away. And I'm very eager to see how the Packers handle the playoffs this year. It seems like it means a lot more. It seems like this truly is a Super Bowl or bust type year. Can they get to the Super Bowl? We'll find out in uh, in not too long a time. We are two weeks away, three weeks away from the playoffs beginning. We're still trying to figure out whether the Packers are going to be playing in that first weekend. Will they get a bye? Will they not? It's interesting, and it's going to be fun to find out, and we'll find out together. So I've got for you in this episode. Appreciate you listening in. Please, please donate to our charity drive. If that is something you are all at all interested in, it would mean a lot to me. It would mean a lot to the people receiving the money. And it's just a fun thing for us to do together. Plus, it gets you involved uh, in a drawing for some valuable Packers prizes. In the meantime, go ahead and share this episode with somebody you think would enjoy it. That's going to get more people involved in the conversation we're having around the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.